Today we'll be reading the scripture from Luke uh, 5, 1 through 11. You can find it in your bulletin. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genezareth, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partner in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both, of, both the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at, at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John's sons, sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything to follow him and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Sylvia, for reading our text this morning for us. Uh, good morning, LBC. It's, it's good to be with you. As uh, Pastor Mike just, just briefly said, my name is Heath Zuniga, and our family just relocated from Columbus, Ohio to South Orlando, Hunters Creek, Kissimmee area in June. And so, uh, and so kind of what I'm, I'm hoping to do this morning as we talk about this text of, of discipleship and, and how Jesus calls Peter to follow him, I'm going to be kind of weaving in throughout uh, a little bit of kind of our story with how we arrived in relocating our family and how we even arrived at, at this, this thing called church planting and so it was back in 2018 that my wife and I were at this conference in a PCA conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And at that point, we had been in the denomination for several years. But at that conference, we were sitting there. And for the first time since we had been in the denomination, I saw another Latino pastor preach. And so there was just something about that experience, something about seeing someone up there in this position of power and authority in pastoral ministry, someone who looked sort of like me, who talked sort of like me, that I felt welcomed in a way that I hadn't felt welcomed previously. And so that, for us, was this big catalyst that kind of caused us to, to come up for air and to think through, well, 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 where is God calling us to plant a church? And so we started kind of doing some, some research, and, and, and we found out that of the 5,000 pastors, almost 5,000 pastors in the PCA, today, there are 
1% of those pastors that are Latino. 1%. And so there was just something about coming to these statistics, and I love this denomination. The Lord has brought us to this denomination, and in all of its richness and beauty, I just felt this, this huge kind of chasm and gaping hole in, inside of us like to, to do something about that. And so we, we prayed through and thought through where the Lord was calling us to plant. And so we relocated here with the intent to plant a church and to just make disciples. And so this morning, I thought it would be fitting to just talk about discipleship with you all. And, and looking at this story in Luke chapter 5, the story of, of Peter's calling. And we're kind of jumping into the point in the gospel of Luke where, where Jesus, he's already been tempted. He's already started his earthly ministry. And now Jesus is building his team. He is calling people to follow him. And this morning in our text that we see how Jesus calls Peter. And how does Jesus call Peter? Well, he uses a miracle. He uses the miraculous. And he gives Peter the greatest catch of Peter's life. Jesus uses the miraculous. He uses his authority both to, the two points that we're going to talk about this morning, he uses his authority both to expose Peter, but also to equip Peter, both to expose and to equip. And so that's, this, that's what I want us to talk about this morning, how Jesus calls us to follow him, and he both, he both exposes us and he equips us. So let's just take a moment and pray before we go any further. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the power of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for the, the, the calling that you have placed on all of our lives to be ambassadors, to be salt, to be, to be light, to go into the darkness and to, to share the gospel in word and in deed. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for all of the men and women who just previously stood up here on the stage before me, for the calling you have placed on their life to love the city to love people, to meet them where they're at, and to demonstrate the gospel both in word and deed. And I pray this morning, Lord, that all of us would, would find and that we would be renewed in the power of the gospel, in the person of Jesus. It would captivate our imagination. It would, it would captivate our hearts. And Lord, that you would send us out to do the work of your kingdom day in and day out. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so our, our text begins, and it is a packed house. People are so curious because they are wondering, who is this guy that is teaching with such unprecedented authority? Jesus is, is teaching the gospel, and people are pressed in. Jesus is teaching on the edge of this lake, and he's sort of just running out of room, isn't he? And so what does Jesus do since he's running out of room? Well, well he decides that he's going to step into Peter's boat and turn it into a floating pulpit. He's not going to ask permission. He's not going to, like, make small talk. He just goes and steps into Peter's boat, 
And just like look at this convo, this conversation between Jesus and, and Peter that, that ensues. We, we, we pick up in, in verse 4. So uh, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is what Jesus tells Simon. He says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into the deep, Peter, and let down your nets for a catch. And do you know what Jesus is asking Peter to do? Do you know what he's saying to Peter? He's saying, Peter, Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something that might not make a lot of sense right now, that might just sound seemingly illogical, but I want you to trust me. That's what Jesus is saying to Peter. I am about to ask you to do something that may not make a lot of sense, but I want you to trust me. And you just hear in verse 5 Peter's his, his reticence. His, he's just so hesitant and, and reluctant. It's kind of this confusing request. And here is what's going on in our story. Peter and his crew had just spent the previous night out working hard, and it yielded nothing. They brought in nothing. They didn't catch anything. Do you know how frustrating that is to put so much effort and energy behind something and it, for, for it to yield nothing? Do you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, it's so frustrating. And so Peter and his crew, they were tending to their nets. They were, they were fixing their nets and they were getting ready to go back out that next evening to fish again. And the thing was, is that during this time, the best time to fish was at night in the shallow area. And here comes Jesus in the middle of the day saying, go out to the deep and let down your nets. Like, like what? Like, does anyone else like just feel like that is, that is so confusing? Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something and I want you to trust me. And so what does Peter do? He lets down his nets. Peter lets down his nets. And Peter isn't sorry about following Jesus' word because it's, it's fish for days. It is so much fish that two boats are filled with fish and they both begin to sink. And you just see how Peter responds in, in verse 8 of our text. It says, it says this, it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus, excuse me, Peter is so overwhelmed, he is, he is exposed. Peter is in the presence of God and there's absolutely no way that he can hide it. Peter is overwhelmed that he falls down. He says, depart from me. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. Peter is so overwhelmed. And look at verse 10. How does Jesus respond to Peter's confession? What does Jesus do? What does he say? Look at, look at verse 10 with me. It says, and, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
Jesus has come, and this, this exposure that Jesus brings in Peter's life, the exposure that Jesus brings in our own lives isn't to humiliate us. It's not to rub our noses in our sin and our, in our crookedness. It's to heal. It's to mend. Jesus exposes Peter. He exposes us not to humiliate us, but to heal us. Do not be afraid. Words of comfort to a man that is broken, to a man that is utterly overwhelmed with his sin. Jesus says, do not be afraid. These words of comfort that Jesus gives to Peter. And so Peter is exposed. And do you know what Jesus is doing here? This this healing that is happening right here. Do you know what Jesus is doing to Peter? Jesus is shifting Peter's dependence from dependence upon himself to dependence upon Christ. I mean, think with me just for a minute here. Like, don't you at all think it is possible that Peter is this professional fisherman. He did this for a livelihood for years. Day in and day out, he is, he is in the grind. He is fishing. I mean, don't you think it is, it is all possible that, that Peter would be thinking, Jesus, I'm the professional fisherman here. Like, like why? We don't fish during the day. We don't fish out in the deep. Like, don't you think it was possible that, that Peter is just feeling this, in, like, this internal conflict of like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm the fisherman. You're just the carpenter. Like, who are you to tell me how to fish? I mean, don't you think any of that like was at all possibly going through Peter's mind? And yet Jesus is shifting Peter's dependence. Because friends, Jesus is the best place to go with our sin. Amen? He's the best place to go with our sin. And so back in uh, March of 2020, I know there's been just, you know, a lot of talks and just illustrations talking about just the, the difficulty of, of COVID and just the onset of that and just the confusion that that uh, brought to just the world. And so, I mean, it was, it was true for us too as, as a family back in Columbus, Ohio with, uh, you know, March, you know, mid-March, everything shut down. And we had just welcomed our, our third child, our beautiful little girl, Selena. And it was just in the midst of this that we felt like we were treading water. We were adjusting, going from a family of four to a family of five. It was confusing. So we didn't, you know, ask grandparents to help because we didn't really know what was going on. And so we just felt like we were essentially just treading water. And it was also during this time that I had a, a bout with depression that was, was very intense. And so here we are trying to figure out what this looks like. How are we supposed to figure out how to work? How are we supposed to figure out how to parent? Can't really ask for help. Can't meet with anyone. And so, and so it was just this point of this time for me where Jesus was showing me He was offering words of comfort to me. He was meeting me in my place of need. He was first just showing me that I was slowly just building my identity 
on my ability to minister and on my ability to parent. And what did COVID do? COVID took away any ability I had to meet face-to-face with people, and COVID just completely just threw parenting into just absolute chaos without any help and, and with just, you know, transitioning from a family of, uh, to, you know, adding another kiddo into the mix. And so there was these words of comfort that Jesus reminded me that, that my ability to, to, to be a minister and to, to work and to, to achieve, right, and to parent, those are lousy saviors, aren't they? Just absolutely lousy saviors. And Jesus was reminding me what it looks like for me to find my sufficiency in him and in him alone, not in my ability to work, not in my ability to parent, and secondly, what, I, what Jesus was showing me during that time is just, he was offering to me words of comfort for my depression, for just the, the guilt that I, that I felt because I couldn't operate like how I wanted to operate. I felt like it was just this, this stubborn darkness that just kind of overcame me. And Jesus offered words of comfort to me in both of those ways. And the point of sharing all of that with you is, is, is that both to our confession of sin and to the places of our deep hurt and pain, the ministry of Jesus Christ brings with it words of comfort. The invitation to both the person who sins and the person who is sinned against, who has wounds, who is, who is hurting, the invitation to both of those people is the invitation of Matthew 11 when Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. It's this ministry of comfort that Jesus brings both to the sinner and both to those who have been sinned against and deeply, deeply wounded. And so Jesus, he exposes us not to humiliate us, but to heal us. That's the first point. And then secondly, Jesus, he equips us. Jesus equips us. And this exposure that we just talked about is, is an essential part of our equipping. I mean, if Jesus, think about it, if Jesus sends us out to be fishers of men, doesn't it make sense that Jesus would want to send us out aware of our need, aware of our brokenness, aware of, of how the provision of, of the gospel meets us in our places of need, in our places of sin? Doesn't it make sense how that, that, that that's how Jesus would work? That that's how he would equip us? And so to stress this point even more, Jesus says in verse 11, you can look at it with me. Jesus says this in verse 11. He says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Peter, James, and John leave everything and follow Jesus. Following Jesus requires us to let go of all that may hinder our full availability and service to Christ. I'll say that again. Following Jesus requires us to let go of all that hinders our full availability and service to Christ. And so when the disciples left everything there, they were, they were leaving surely economic and there were 
they were, you know, they were anticipating economic changes. They were anticipating just, this had vocational implications. They were leaving something they were, they were so familiar with and going and doing something different. And of course, we know that following Jesus had social ramifications. The Son of Man had no place to lay his head. And yet they were, they were, they were letting go of all that hindered their full availability and service to Christ. Theologian N.T. Wright, he says this, he says, when Jesus calls, he certainly demands everything, but only because he has already given everything himself. And he, Jesus, has, has plans in store for us and for the world that we have never dreamed of. And so what is this text calling us to do? It's calling us to to leave all these barriers behind, everything that may hinder our full availability and service to Christ, to leave all that behind and to cast our nets. Perhaps Jesus is saying to some of us here this morning, he might be saying, you know, I I know that you all have grown accustomed to to fishing at night and out in, in the shallow part of the water, you're content here, you're, you're comfortable here, but perhaps Jesus is saying to you this morning, I want you to go out into the deep and let down your nets. What if Jesus is saying something like that to us here this morning, go out into the deep in the middle of the day and let down your nets? So what does this look like for us? What, what could Jesus be calling us to do as we're thinking about good news for the city? Well, it could begin just very practically and, and very locally with the place that you live. It could include inviting a, a new neighbor that, uh, you know, I, I recently heard from the Florida Church Planning Director that a thousand people a day are moving into the state of Florida. There's so many people that are moving in and out of Orlando And and so it could look like just inviting a new neighbor over to your house for a meal. It could also look like inviting a neighbor that that you've known for years, but maybe you've just kind of lost touch or or get busy. Like, I, I get that. And it could just mean just inviting them over and initiating with them and having them come over for a meal. It could also look like seeking licensed counseling. Maybe you're, you're, you're sitting here and you're, you're struggling. You're just trying to continue to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just figure it out. And maybe this morning Jesus is inviting you or giving you permission to just seek help and to seek out a licensed therapist or, or, or counselor. I mean, Jesus uses our pain for his mission. I mean, that's, that's the whole premise of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that, that we may be comforted in our pain, in our hurt with the gospel of grace, so that we then may comfort others. I don't know how many times I've had people, as I, the previous church I worked at, I'm very open from the pulpit about what that was like to, to struggle with depression after I shared that. I don't know how many men in my church talked to me about that exact issue. I didn't plan that, but that's just how Jesus works, isn't it? It could look like, third, building cross-cultural relationships. One of the things that I've found just absolutely fascinating as, as the new census data came out is that the U.S., right, my big takeaway was that the U.S. is becoming more diverse, 
And so just for instance, talking about the Latino population here real quick, uh, looking at, at the growth of, of this ethnicity here, of looking at uh, 2020, almost 20% of the people that live in the U.S. are Latino. And so you fast forward to 2050, 2055, that number is projected to increase to 33%. So in 35 years, we're going from roughly 20% to, to 33%. And so the U.S. is not becoming less diverse. It's becoming more diverse. And so what this looks like with building cross-cultural relationships, not as just a, a good idea or an aspiration, but actually seeing it as a need as a need, when we are learning from people who are different from us, different skin colors, different ethnicities, different races, different cultures, we are seeing a part of the kingdom of God through a different lens. We need that. We need that. Not just a good idea, but an actual need. That There is a part of the kingdom of God that I am not seeing, I am not experiencing, when I am not in relationship with people, different cultures. It is a need, friends. It is a need. Theologian and, and church historian uh, Justo Gonzalez, he says, he says this about what I was just talking about. He says the church must be one because a fragmented church is not much help to a fragmented world. Looks like building bridges with finding unity and harmony, finding unity in our diversity because the world is fragmented and it needs a church that is unified. And so you might be thinking that, that, that as Jesus is calling us to just leave all these barriers behind, as he's calling us to leave everything behind that, that hinders us from the, our full availability and service to him, you might be thinking that this is costly. Well, I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. It, I, I feel the tension when I look at this text. When I think about how Jesus is calling people to leave everything and follow him, I am with you. I feel that tension, that costliness, but I want to remind all of us, myself included, that just a few chapters later, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says this about taking up your cross daily and following him. He says, for, for you will lose, when we lose our life for the sake of Christ, we will find it. When we lose our life for the sake of Christ, we will find it. That as we leave behind barriers that hinder us, that you will find life. You will find joy. You will find satisfaction. You will find purpose. Reminding all of us this morning that following Jesus is counterintuitive. It's the upside down kingdom. When we are weak, we are therefore strong in the name of Christ. And here's the truth, friends. Here's the truth. That the story of scriptures is one that Jesus calls the reluctant. He calls the timid. He calls the fearful. He calls the afraid. He calls sinners to follow him and to be on mission with him. That's what Jesus does. He calls the reluctant, the timid, the fearful, the afraid. And do you know what he says to all of us? He says, go out into the deep 
and let down your nets. And I will show you my power. I will show you what I can do. I will show you how I'm faithful to provide. I will show you how I will equip you and always be with you and never leave you nor forsake you. This is what I will do. I will show you that my power is made perfect in weakness. I am building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what Jesus is doing. He calls us to follow him. And when he calls us to follow him, he calls us and he exposes us, but not to humiliate us, to heal us. And he equips us. He reminds us that he is always with us till the end of the ages, that he goes with us, he goes before us. And he invites us to be fishers of men. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, um, we thank you. And even as I'm up here preaching, as I prepared, I am even reminded of, of my own fears that are very, very real when it comes to doing this work of church planting. I am reminded, Lord, that I have fears and insecurities and worries. And Father, I bring all of these things to you. And, and Lord, as we, as we sit here, we all have these different fears and anxieties. And Jesus, your invitation to us is come to me. Come to me and you will find rest. And so, Father, I pray and ask that as, as we, we come to learn your gentleness, your goodness, as we come to believe in the power of the gospel, that you would transform us in our weakness, in our sin, in our failures, God, that you would use all of those things to equip us, to heal us, and to send us. And so, Father, May we go knowing that you are strong, that you are able, and that the promise that you give to us is that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.